Welcome back to Marvel Maniac, an MCU after show. This is Eric Cicada, your host, a.k.a. Mr. Honest. It's great to have you back here this week where we are diving back into our rewatch of the MCU Phase 1, excluding the Hulk with Edward Norton. We wish we could, but uh, we're just trying to hit the main beats until we can get to Loki on June 9th and kind of uh, get a good recap in of that main story uh, before we hit Loki. And uh, I think we're doing a great job of it. Today we hit uh, a very big beat in this story. Uh, we go back in time a little bit to World War II. We meet the first Avenger, Captain America. I gotta say, I don't know if I've ever watched all of these movies so tight packed together, even being this big of a fan. Uh, I, I, I love these movies, but um, I have watched them all very, like, I don't know if I've ever watched them all so close together. I really have. I've never done this big of a marathon, um, even as being a huge Marvel fan. So it's really good to watch the characters kind of have their stories and uh, compare and contrast them and stuff. Um, but Caps is a humble one, and uh, I'm really excited to go over this with you guys. Um, Captain America, the first Avenger. Uh, let's start getting into it. Let's start getting into Cap's story. Um, he is the hero that, unlike Tony and uh, Thor, he starts with humble, be a little bit more humble beginnings. Um, he's not rich in the beginning. He's not given his powers. Um, he is just a kid from Brooklyn with asthma and... He's, he's just a humble kid who wants to go fight in the war and uh, put his life down like all the other men and uh, like, you know, and women that are doing the same in his country. You know, like he's, he's he just wants to be a soldier. So there's uh, something kind of special there, isn't there? Isn't that? Um, so we start on an Arctic dig site. Um, it's a giant plane that's buried in thin ice. Uh, the men on the scene, they discuss how hard it will be to get this plane out of the ice. Because this plane is huge. Um, we see a hole broken in the roof like they saw it open. And the two men rope down into the plane. They make their way in and they slowly work their way to the front with their flashlights. Now, we recognize this plane um, from the end of the movie. Now, pause. We're going to... I didn't do my weekly... Now, if you're just hopping into the, my weekly spoiler alert for the whole series of Marvel, let's go back. Um, we're going to do this a funny way. Now, you got the first note. Now, now, now let's say this. Uh, if this is your first episode of Marvel Maniac, let's just go and say... It's great that you're here. Um, we're going to probably leave on the table most spoilers for most of the MCU at this point. Now, that being said, we're not going to spoil the entire MCU in this episode. Nearly none of it. But that look, I don't want to leave much off the table for discussion for me going forward, um, which is why I may reference Endgame once, which may spoil something in Infinity War or someone dying in blah, blah, blah. Uh or I might not, uh, which I would hate to do for you. Uh, but it's just a fair, slight spoiler warning. Uh, that being said, if you don't mind that, uh, please stay and hang out. And either way, we're so happy to have you here. Um, 
I just hate to ruin somebody somebody's re, new watching experience by like saying something that happens later in the series. If they're like listening to this as like an accompaniment to their first watching of the MCU, right? Um, I just thought I'd be like really clear. Like there may be in this episode uh, a, an alludement or a spoiler towards what happens in Cap's stories later. Cap's story later, because I'm talking about his story uh, and most of the other character stories in my podcast review rewatches of the MCU Phase One, as if I've seen them before. Uh, so. I, I just want to, I, I feel like I need to make that as clear as I can every episode um, and just be as transparent about that as possible, just so the audience, the new newer audience understands. Okay, let's keep going. We see um, a hole that's broken into the roof and uh, two men rope down and uh, they slowly work their way into the plane uh, with their flashlights searching the plane. Um, one man discovers an object dusted in frost. He calls his lieutenant. Uh, this object is familiar to us, and it is also familiar to him. Uh, he knows what it is. He calls his colonel. Over the phone, we hear, uh, do you know what time it is? And the, the man that called him replies, I don't care what time it is. This one's waited long enough. And we see the iconic shield. Tunsberg, Norway, March 1942. A goatee man rushes into a castle tower lit by torches. He gets into it and he bars the door. He is in a clear hurry. Uh, he's being chased. Another man tells him they've come for it. The wall next to them gets demolished and a piece of brick kills the other man. Uh, fancy cars rolls in and the hood ornament on it has an octopus with a human skull for a head. Uh, we know what this means. It's hide the Hydra logo. The Nazi leader, uh, we know him as Red Skull, and I'm going to pretty much be referring to him as this the whole movie. He has another name, um, which I will refer to him at some point. Uh, Yo Johann von Schmidt, I believe, approaches the bearded man. He says that it has taken him a long time to find this place and that he should be commended. The man tells Red Skull that what he seeks is just a legend. He replies, then why make such an effort to conceal it? He breaks open the tomb in front of him, uh, and it's holding what appears to be the Tesseract. He says it was the jewel in Odin's treasure room. I love this, because, uh, but, like, it could be, well, for one, let me just get through this. He drops it. Um, he says, it's not one something berries, but I think it's, uh, I think it's close. Now, when you're a moviegoer, you just seen Thor a year ago, you know Odin's treasure room exists. So you know this knowledge that Red Skull is going off of isn't completely incorrect. But on one end, if you're just a Captain America moviegoer, Red Skull's bat bat nuts crazy um god like believer and like because like he's it makes no sense what he, he's believing in right but at the same time we know odin and the gods are real and the tesseract is from odin's treasure room so he's just using the power of the gods for um uh, evil uh it's very complex it's very complex um so at this point like these parts of the story um if you've never seen it before they 
don't they're all coming together because the post credit scene was the first time we've seen the Tesseract of Thor and uh, this is where we're really we're learning the story of Captain America but we're also learn, starting to learn the story of the Tesseract and uh, w w the origins uh, of how that came into, pl into, into play here so Red Skull threatens to kill this man's family so that he gives him the Tesseract the man points him to a wall and uh, this wall has art on it and it's the location is a discrete location it's a little box on the wall and red skull pulls it uh out of a slot and opens the box the blue light glows on his face you have not seen this have you uh, red skull asks the man and he tells him it's not for the eyes of ordinary men you will burn and then Red Skull tells him, I already have. And he shoots the man and uh, touches his own face. Um, kind of like his mask, I guess, uh, to put it back on. And uh, blood splatters on his Hydra pin. Man, this guy's ruthless. Uh, cut to New York. We get a very skinny Steve Rogers in the Army recruitment place. Uh, he's talking to the doctor. We've uh, we learned that uh, his father died uh, of mustard gas in the 107th Infantry. Um, his mother was a TB ward nurse. The doctor also notices he has a very long list of uh, medical file, a long like a long medical file, uh, and he tells Steve he's saving his life by not letting him in. Now, um, as far as his father being in the 107th uh, Infantry and, and his mom being a TB ward nurse, you know, one thing I was thinking for a second was maybe he was making some of this stuff up to look better to get in, but I don't think his father being in the 107th is a lie considering he wants to be in the 107th and if Bucky gets in the 107th, um, it doesn't seem like a mistake um, or a lie. If his dad was in it, it seems like he'd be in it. Um, doesn't seem like it'd make much sense for them to make that a fact for his father or a lie. It doesn't seem like Steve would lie that much. He just wants to get in the army. Why would he lie about his parents like that? Later, Steve is in a theater watching a film about joining the army. There's a rude guy, a very rude guy up front, shouting uh, to start the movie. And Steve tells him to have some respect. You know, quietly, a little reserve, you know, have some respect. Very, very Steve Rogers. But Steve doesn't have the muscles or the Captain America strength to back this up yet. Uh, but the guy keeps doing it. And uh, Steve actually, at one point, you know, he, he musters the, the strength to tell him to shut up. Just tell him to shut up. Now, during this scene, I can't help but think of uh, all the time periods uh, Steve will just see in his life. And also a fact, uh, when Tony calls him an old man, uh, in a sense, like he's right. Like it's just when he says have some respect. It's just like the the theater, the the movie he's sitting in, the uh, like just the air, like the time he's like the old people in the <laughs> the older people in the background. Like how where when were they born compared to when he's born? Like he's just lived in so many time periods. It's it's crazy. Um, so cut to an alleyway outside 
Steve is fighting the guy he was having words with in the theater. Fighting is uh, kind of kind words for Steve here. He's getting beat up. Uh, he's taking hits, and then Steve picks up a trash lid like it's a shield. He gets it knocked out of his hands, and the guy says, You just don't know when to give up, do you? Steve replies, I could do this all day. Classic. Then we officially meet Bucky. Bucky Barnes. He shows up, and he gives this guy a proper beating. <laughs> Bucky notices Steve was lying on his enlistment form. Steve asked him if he got his orders, and Bucky said he's going out first thing tomorrow on the 107th. Bucky takes Steve uh, to the Star first Stark Expo. It's not called the Stark Expo, but it sure as hell looks like it, so I'm assuming it's the first Stark Expo. Um, the World Exposition of Tomorrow. Bucky brings uh, dates for him and Steve. And uh, they go on stage. They go to the stage where uh, Howard Stark, Tony's father, is giving a presentation on a flying car. The car starts to lift off the ground but falls right back down. Um, he's working on it. Uh, you can see Howard and Tony. They did great casting for Howard, young Howard. A lot of similarities with the sun, the showmanship, the craftsmanship, um, and the genius. The, a lot of mannerism, mannerisms, and I, uh, I love it. I like this young Howard a lot. Buggy looks for Steve, but he's gone. He finds him at, uh, back at the recruitment office. Bucky reminds Steve that this is a war. Uh, and Steve counters that there are men laying their lives and that he shouldn't do any less than that. Uh, something that I kind of brought up at the beginning. You know, it's kind of Steve's mentality. Uh, a distance away, um, a balding ba a man with a goatee well, and glasses just watches Steve and Bucky. Uh, don't do anything stupid until I get back. Uh, how can I, uh, when you're taking all the stupid with you? <laughs> Bucky leaves with the girls and Steve into the office. Uh, the goateed man follows Steve. In the doctor's office, Steve is approached by this man. So, you want to go overseas and kill some Nazis, he says. Uh, he is Dr. Abraham Erskine. I don't want to kill anyone. I don't like bullies. I don't care where they're from. Steve Rogers, ladies and gentlemen. Steve Rogers. Uh, where there are already so many big men fighting in this war, maybe what we need now is a little guy. I can offer you a chance, but only a chance. So, um, Dr. Erskine gives Steve a chance to enroll in the military. Steve is a little, um, like spooked by this whole encounter in the office at first, um, because he, he seems to be like, worried that he's going to be outed for lying on his military form like Bucky said um, but he does he gets his enlistment form uh, re uh, returned to him approved Steve is going to the army now <laughs> elsewhere in in jagged snow in a jagged snowy mountain range we meet Dr. Zoloff uh, Red Skull's uh, scientist assistant um, he is creepy but slightly endearing <laughs> You kind of like the guy, right? Red Skull pulls out the Tesseract and places it into a machine. It glows with blue light. It glows extra bluey. Extra blue in this movie. <laughs> Zoloft says the exchange is stable. This energy we have collected could power my designs. It will change the war. Red Skull replies, 
it will change the world. Red Skull is just driven with power. He wants everything. He wants all of it. He wants to be a god. On an army base drill field, we meet Agent Carter. Um, she and the, uh, Steve and the soldiers are standing in a line for training. Peggy introduces herself to them, and uh, one of the soldiers gives her attitude, and she punches him straight in the face. <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones is here. Tommy Lee Jones, <laughs> and he is amazing. Uh, Colonel Phillips is his name, and being a colonel is his game we get a montage of steve attempting to train with the other soldiers he is at the back of the pack pretty much the whole time climbing the rope climbing under wire and the soldiers are trying to climb a flagpole at one point trying to get a flag the uh their um cadet leader or whatever you call him at that point he's since saying no one's done this no one's ever been able to do this might as well get on you can get a free ride if you, if you can do it but you, no one's been able to do it get back on the bus and steve just pulls the pin out the bottom of the um flagpole and it it knocks over he grabs the flag and gets a ride home for it um i i just i imagine in some drill camps they like make you do like 100 extra laps and be like that's not how you're supposed to do it smart ass that that's not right you can't do it that way like but like steve got it you know it's smart i appreciate it i really did find it really perfect um i never thought about it that way until this time i'm being a smarty smart smart pants smarty pants um while while doing exercises on base erskine and phillips talk about steve now they're not doing exercises the army is (laughs) no you know i'm not talking about um dr erskine and tommy lee jones they're not exercising together um uh um, Colonel Phillips, when you brought me a 90-year-old, <laughs> 90-year-old, a 90-pound asthmatic on my base, I thought, what the hell, maybe he'd be useful to you, like a gerbil. <laughs> I never thought you'd pick him. You stick a needle in that kid's arm, it's going to uh, go right through him. Uh, he said, uh, uh, Erskine says, I'm looking for qualities beyond the physical. And uh, Colonel Phillips says, you don't win wars with niceness, doctor. You win wars with guts. And he throws a grenade, and he says, grenade he throws the dummy grenade towards the soldiers and everyone of the soldiers but steve runs and not only that steve's steve jumps on it and this moment in my opinion it makes me it makes you as the audience uh fall in love with this character uh Peggy and Erskine both seem very impressed. I'm impressed. Heartwarming moment. Uh, and then Colonel Phillips, he's still skinny. <laughs> uh, maybe one of the best delivered comedic lines in the movie. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones, I uh, wish we got more of him, to be honest, uh, in the MCU. It's just hard. You can't go time travel to visit Colonel Phillips. Can we get a Colonel Phillips spinoff show? Nothing to do with anything. Just just Colonel Phillips. Let's just see what happens with Colonel Phillips in the post-World War II era. <laughs> um, later, Erskine visits Steve in his room. And Steve asks him, basically flat out, why me? Erskine talks about how Hitler found him. And he appreciated Erskine's work. Hitler said Erskine will make him stronger. Um, But he didn't want anything to do with that. Uh, But Hitler partied him up with Johann von Schmidt, the head of Hydra, a.k.a. Red Skull, who is obsessed with power. Once he learned of 
Erskine's ability to make what we know now that he can make this super serum, right? He's the one who is doing this project to create this super serum for the government to make these super soldiers. He's, uh, so this is what Steve is kind of being chosen for, um, or considered for by, um, Erskine. Um, so Red Skull could not resist. He wasn't Red Skull at this point. Um, he interrogated Schmidt to make him, uh, a version of this serum. Schmidt injects himself with a needle, um, and we get to see a quick flashback of all this happening. Uh, Erskine says the serum wasn't ready and that the serum amplifies everything that, insists, that is inside. Good becomes great, bad becomes worse, and this is why you were chosen. Because a strong man who has known power all his life may lose respect for that power. But a weak man who knows value of that strength knows compassion. Erskine makes Steve promise to stay who he is. Not a perfect person, but a good man. Erskine drinks his and Steve's shots because Steve can't drink before his procedure. Uh, Zoloft approaches Red Skull getting a portrait painted of himself. He, uh, You can't see him in the shot because like, the movie is still waiting to reveal his face to, like, to you. Red Skull finds out that uh, Erskine is working on another serum in America, and he wants to get it so their victory is assured. Meanwhile, Steve and Peggy are in the car on their way to the procedure. Steve tells Peggy he doesn't know why uh, you'd want that she'd want to join the army if, uh, or why you know you'd want to uh, in general join the army if you were a beautiful dame or woman. Uh, Peggy says he has no idea to talk to women, how to talk to women. Uh, and he says, women are exactly lining up to dance with a guy uh, they might step on. They arrive at an antique shop. Two suspicious dudes watch them enter. Uh, these dudes do come into play. Wonderful weather this morning, isn't it? Says the woman up front. Yes, but I always carry an, um, carry an umbrella, says Peggy. This uh, gets the old woman to open up the back room to a huge military facility where she takes down a long, takes Steve down a long hallway to a giant lab. This place is packed um, with scientists, doctors, people, military, whatever. Tons of people. Once they enter the giant lab, uh, the whole room goes completely quiet um, for like a solid few seconds and everything just resumes. Uh, once Steve gets strapped onto the table, um, everyone's watching him like from above, the senators and colonels and everybody. Um, and one of them says, uh, somebody get that kid a sandwich. <laughs> Steve and Peggy give each other a look of confidence before uh, she goes up into the booth. Dr. Erskine says, uh, starts to begin a presentation. He says, we begin with a series of micro-injections into the subject's major muscle groups. The serum infusion will cause immediate cellular change and then stimulate growth. The subject will be saturated with vita rays. The serum goes in and Erskine signals start to lift the pod. Steve asks to go to the bathroom. <laughs> well, he says it's probably too late to go to the bathroom. <laughs> They're turning the power on up to 70% when Steve starts screaming. The light shining in the pod Steve is in. Um, 
there's like a ton of light shining in the pod, like it's glowing. They almost stop. Uh, Irk's kind of like almost gets him to stop because it sounds like he's in so much pain. But Steve says, "No, I'm good. I can do this." And they put the power at hundred <laughs> percent. The pot opens dramatically. The shot we get is very cool. Um, slow up on him as the, as the shot opens. Um, the serum work. And, yeah, he looks like fucking Captain America. He lo- He's ripped. And compared to how he looked a second ago, especially. Peggy walks up to Steve and asks how he feels. She can't help but touch his peck. Um, I, I, I read or heard somewhere that that was complete Haley Atwell, um, Peggy Carter, like, real that was a real thing that happened she couldn't help herself um <laughs> um she, he says he feels she asks how she feels and he says he feels taller <laughs> at the back of the room um the suspicious one of those suspicious fellows we saw outside he takes out a zippo lighter and it explodes uh, a window he shoots erskine in the chest steve runs after him um so like yeah there's a lot of I could see a lot of where Falcon and Winter Soldier was trying to like draw parallels to the Captain America story um but like this is a righteous capture um like this was wrong uh he points towards Steve's heart Steve is mad but not John Walker mad <laughs> um I'm talking about Erskine points towards Steve Steve's heart um the gunman rushes out the front door where the old lady uh stands and defends with a machine gun what an awesome guard she she stood down with her shit (laughs) peggy runs into the street to shoot at the culprits as they're driving towards her to run her over in a taxi Uh, she pushes uh steve pushes her out of the way even though she says she had the shot steve begins chasing after the car on foot he dodges traffic uh he leaps on top of cars from vehicle to vehicle this is a very awesome chase scene Uh, he immediately gets out the gate and gets into some captain america action um he gets to the cab the gunman is driving and he's dodging bullets the gunman's like shooting at the roof and he's like dodging bullets uh coming off the roof uh the car rolls over like over and over the gunman gets out takes a young boy hostage this guy's just nuts has no morals steve uses a car door as a shield i find this very cool uh, I think this is a little like Spider-Man. And doesn't Spider-Man do that in Far From Home? A little homage to that. The kid gets thrown into the water, but he's safe. So all's good with the kid. Um, he tells Cap to go get him. The gunman jumps into a submarine. A submarine is just in the docks. Steve dives into the water just to you think the guy's going to get away. Um, and he thinks he's going to get away. He looks pretty like calm down in the sub. He's, get, he's making his getaway. Um, Steve falls and breaks him out and pulls him ashore. He asks the man who he is. Uh, the man replies, the first of men many cut off one head two more shall take its place hail hydra he bites out a tooth and dies steve looks down at his new muscle arms (laughs) that's what i wrote that's pretty funny so uh, back at red skull's base he's getting lectured by his nazi leaders they're telling him that Hitler feels that uh, he has been a little indulged, uh, a little bit overindulged, and the you know there are three officers there, um, like pretty much three Nazi officials, and they're checking. Look, like, he's checking up on him, um, but it's not going so good. 
The officers notice when they're in uh, Red Skull's war room that on his map, his war map, that Berlin is one of the places he plans to invade. Uh, and they start to freak out and like, oh, the Fuhrer will hear about this. And shamelessly, he just uses his Tesseract gun to obliterate these these Nazi generals. And he tells Zola that uh, Hydra can no longer grow in Hitler's shadow. It's just a matter of time. Um it's hard to be mad at him for wanting to take Hitler out, but in a way, I, like he's like he doesn't he wants to kill everyone, so it's like they're both terrible. With Erskine gone, Steve is the only super soldier. Um, like Erskine was going to make more serums and try more people. Uh, we know from Falcon and Winter Soldier in the canon that there were more experience experiments gone bad over time. Um, Peggy says without him or his sample that was stolen and destroyed, it will be it will take years. Peggy says if it could work only once, he'd be proud it was you. Colonel Phillips tells Steve he's not enough without Erskine. Steve gets approached then by a senator, and he gets promoted. Now, this is a nice montage of Cap on stage with a lot of red, white, and blue ladies. Um, and it's him traveling the country uh, to a Captain America song. And who's dun 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 America's eyes. I'm not going to sing it. Um, and I, it's uh, very good, though. And he's in his... Uh, <laughs> he walks out on stage in his classic red, white, and blue Captain America outfit. Um, what is this? WandaVision, right? Right? Am I right? <laughs> no. I mean, this is honestly maybe the first time we, we get this in the MCU where it's like a really nice homage to the original superhero outfit. Cap knocks out Hitler in this uh, tour. And uh, we see, get to see him do this multiple times over the, uh, like in the country. He goes to uh, Chicago, New York, and you know, all the big places. Um, we see actual Captain America comics being printed, and uh, kids are buying. Um, so there's this widespread knowledge of Captain America uh, movies, actual movies. So we're in a movie within a movie. Captain America, this, the song is so good um, that we're hearing in the background here. Um, we at the end of the thing we get Cap holding up a motorcycle over his head with the ladies on it. The room is colorful. It's on a big bright stage in a big bright stadium uh, in front of like a you know probably whatever a Manhattan crowd. And then uh, we cut to Italy, uh, November 1943, five miles from the front, <laughs> and it's just a complete change in composition. I just love what they did here. Uh, we see Cap in his bright cheesy uniform in contrast to the soldiers in their worn out muddy uniforms and the gray backdrop of the sky uh, they boo him off stage they throw things at him and yeah it's just it's hard to see uh steve doesn't want to be in this position backstage agent carter approaches steve as he sketches himself as a monkey on stage with an umbrella uh on a unicycle holding a, a shield you weren't you were meant for more than this you know peggy tells him Steve talks about how he always wanted to be on the front line and serve his country. And he says he got everything he's wanted, but now he's wearing tights. <laughs> and, you know, that's not that's not as fun as he thought. <laughs> um, but they both see a, a military ambulance pull up to uh, another tent. And that's when Peggy tells Steve that the 107th uh, Division, uh, many of them were killed or captured. Um, we know this, uh, that Bucky is in this division. So Steve runs to Captain Phillips. 
Um, I just love this guy. I love Tommy Lee Jones. He tells Steve uh, that Bucky is captured. Uh, and Steve asks if they're planning a rescue mission, genuinely. And uh, he's like, yeah, it's called winning the war. Uh, but Steve's like, but if you know where they are, uh, at least why not? Uh, and then he just gets cut off. They're 30 miles behind enemy lines through some of the most heavily fortified territory in Europe. We lose more men than we'd save, but I don't expect you to understand that because you're a chorus girl. Dang, Tommy Lee. I mean, Captain Phillips. Isn't there uh, a Tom Hanks movie with that title? Um, Steve says, I think I understand just fine. And he eyes the war map um, that's sitting in front of him. Uh, yeah, Steve's about to break some orders. Steve's about to break some orders. I like this. Peggy asks Steve what what his plan is and uh, almost hesitates to let him go. She follows him out. He uh, he says, you said I was meant for more than this. Uh, did you mean that? And she says, every word. Then he says, he tells her, you got to let me go. Um, just got to let me go. And then she, she says, I can do more than that. So Steve, Peggy... And Howard Stark, um, they're on a plane, Howard flying, uh, to make their way to where Bucky is being held. The plane, and Bucky and, you know, the captured soldiers, not just Bucky, you know, all the captured soldiers. The plane starts to get hit, uh, and it's a little scary, and this triggers Steve to just jump out where he is. Peggy says no, and to wait, they're taking him all the way in, and he says, no, I'm going in now. And she says she can't, uh, she says he can't give her orders, and he replies that yes, he can. He's a captain. Love it. Love it. Um, they did give him the title. They did give him the title. <laughs> Cap's orders. Uh, <laughs> Steve approaches the base. Uh, he ducks as a convoy of vehicles passes by. He uh, jumps into the truck where two masked Hydra soldiers turn to face him. We hear them get beat up from outside, and it's very superhero. We like we almost see the like truck shaking and like the fist like going into their faces. Um, but but it's all from the outside. Uh, I thought he was going to be like wearing one of the uniforms almost, but no, he just beat him up. Uh, <laughs> it wouldn't be fun. We want to see him in as much Captain America uniform as we can. This is a good look for him with the jacket and all that. Uh, Steve knocks out the guard waiting outside the truck once it parks um, with his shield. Then he makes his way into the giant compound. Once he gets in, he knocks another guard unconscious. He sneaks through the factory with a pistol. Steve knocks out another guard and takes, out, uh, takes his keys from him. One prisoner asks, who are you supposed to be? And he says, I'm Captain America. Damn right he is. Damn right he is. Uh, so the soldiers escape. The madness ensues. Many soldiers get a hold of Hydra Tesseract powers, web powered weaponry, and uh, they just set everything ablaze. A few guys get in and uh, take a, and uh, get in a joyride, like in this in this tank. They take a tank and they go on a joyride, and uh, that's really fun. Everything's going nuts. Red Skull decides to blow up the factory because their forces are outmatched. Zola just panics at this, and. Uh, Steve gets to him and knocks Zola over a railing. Uh, Red Skull grabs the Tesseract. Steve follows Zola and lets him go only because he found Bucky in a room down the hall um, from chasing him. Steve tells Bucky, I thought you were dead. <laughs> Bucky tells Steve, I thought you were smaller. <laughs> uh, the factory starts to explode. So Bucky and Steve run over a catwalk. Uh, just went on the other side. 
Red Skull and Zola uh, are guarding. Not really guarding, they're just approaching. Captain America, how exciting. I am a great fan of your films. So, Dr. Erskine managed it after all. Not exactly an improvement, but still impressive. Steve punches him in the face, uh, and he says, you have no idea. Red Skull punches him back. Zola uh, pulls the catwalk apart, so they are separated. Uh, no matter what lies Erskine told you, I am his greatest success. Then he pulls off his mask and he reveals his true Red Skull form. You don't have one of those, do you? Uh, asks Bucky. The way the way he asks it is just so perfect. Um, you're deluded, Captain America. Uh, you're deluded, Captain. You pretend to be a simple soldier, but in reality, you are just afraid to admit that we have left humanity behind. Unlike you, I embrace it proudly, without fear. And then Cap says, it's the best one-liner after all that. Like, well, how come you're running? And he's getting into an elevator and going up it at that exact moment. And um, <laughs> Red Skull goes up to the top, and there's like a one-person airplane, and Zola's with him, and he's like, well, what am I going to do? <laughs> and uh, he like gives him the keys to his car, and uh, Zola goes down to the garage and has to boot out of there in a car okay <laughs> uh, Bucky and Steve try to cross a narrow steel beam over immense flames Bucky barely makes it and Steve uh, makes a huge leap over the chasm back at the base uh, Cap Colonel Phillips is declaring Steve dead he tells Peggy that he can't touch Stark because he's rich and weapons contractor, but, well, she's a different story. And they're erupted. They're interrupted. Not erupted. They're interrupted. A big crowd gathers around the return of Steve and all the captured POWs with the Cap theme song. I'm sorry. I couldn't help it. Uh, the soldiers all cheer. Um, highlight moment of the movie. Colonel Phillips approaches them in awe. Steve says he'll take disciplinary action. But Phillips says, not necessary. Steve's a freaking hero. You can't help it. How could you not commend the guy for saving all those people? Right? Peggy tells Steve that he is late. And he tells her, that he couldn't call his right. He takes out the radio he uh, she gave him, and it was busted. What could he do? Um, Bucky screams, let's hear it for Captain America. Uh, the soldiers all cheer around him. I just love this heartwarming moment. End of like an act in the movie, if you ask me. It's a vic big victory, and also transition into, you know, a moment where Cap becomes Cap. The senator tries to give Cap a medal, medal of valor, but he's not. But he's not there to receive it. Uh, in the audience, Stan Lee is a general, uh, and he says, "I thought he'd be taller." <laughs> uh, Cap is in a military bunker. Steve shows them all the weapons facilities, the army and the military that Bucky knows about. And Captain Phillips wants to light a fire under their asses. In his own words, Cap assembles his first team, uh, a bunch of the squad. Um, of soldiers that he saved from the rescue mission. They're really good guys. Really fun group. Uh, Agent Carter enters the bar that they're in at uh, in a very bright dress. She's stunning. The room stops when she enters. Literally. She approaches Bucky and Steve and uh, Bucky asks if she likes music and she says she does. Uh, maybe when this is all over she'll go dancing. Ah, a little 
little nod to Steve there, what he said earlier, huh? Huh? Uh, we know at some point far later they may or may not have this dance, much later. Bucky says he feels invisible in front of her. Um, and, and he's like, I'm turning into you. And uh, Steve says, maybe she has a friend. Uh, which is a reference to something I didn't, I, I, lied, I may, may have skipped over the beginning of these notes uh, where Bucky says that to Steve um, on, on their date. Um, Steve, or, or something like that. Maybe, uh, yeah, earlier in the movie. It was a, it was a rollover joke. Uh, Steve gets kissed by a fangirl, and it looks really bad in front of Peggy. But in my opinion, she kissed him and barely had a chance to stop her. Uh, <laughs> um, Howard takes Cap around the shields. Now, Cap says that, like, you know, Howard's like, you're taking a liking to the shields, I see. And Cap's like, yeah, they're more useful than you think. And, um, yeah, he takes them around to, like, a bunch of different types. They're not, none of them are, like, they're any bit similar, really, to what we know. Uh, he takes a liking to a round shield. Howard said, this is made of vibranium. It's the rarest metal on Earth. He asks Peggy what she thinks, and she shoots at it three times. Um, a little, still, still a little angry about catching Steve in the act of, you know, kissing someone else. Um, yeah, she says, "I, uh, I think it works." <laughs> uh, and then he tells Howard, "I had some ideas about the uniform," and uh, he's like, "Yeah, whatever you want, whatever you want." And then we cut to Cap wearing the new uniform and mask as he busts into a factory with his comrades behind him he straps the shield to his back this is really one of the sickest uh captain america montages you can ask for let alone in the first freaking movie he goes hard on these hydra soldiers insanely hard cap escapes an exploding factory on his motorcycle one of uh, cap's team rolls under a hydra convoy plants an explosive and explodes down the road they all celebrate uh, a small movie theater in a small movie theater Carter and Captain Phillips watch Steve on the field and uh, like he's kind of like in a truck like or, or move, on the move with his team and he pulls out a picture of her in his pocket and it can be seen on screen and she looks very humbled uh, or in love for that matter a sniper has a shot on Steve, like a very clear shot. Um, but we see another scope pick up that sniper, and he gets taken out. It's Bucky. It's good to see Bucky having Steve's back like that. Uh, true MVP and a true good best friend. BFF right there. We get the iconic shot that we see usually in the Marvel opening um, sequence now of Cap hurling his shield towards the camera. So good. Uh, Cap breaks into a tank by slamming his shield on top of it. He pulls the guy out, gets, uh, he, he tosses a bomb, <laughs> gets a bomb, uh, tosses it in the tank, then jumps out over epic flames. One of the coolest shots in the movie. Red Skull is just enraged, uh, enraged. He's like, we're losing. <laughs> and um, 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 one of the guys from like the fights with Cap, I'm guessing, he comes back and he says, we fought to the last man. And uh, Red Skull says, apparently not. And he shoots him dead, relentless. Cap, Bucky, and their crew cable down onto a train, um, like a train heist type situation. We're just like in the heat of all these montages and fights and this is just kind of how fast things happen here. Cap and Steve run on top of the train towards the front and go inside. They both have guns drawn. A door separate them. 
Bucky gets locked in a room with soldiers and Steve gets locked in a room with a giant like soldier in a bigger like machine gun suit. Cap knocks him down and breaks the door open that's blocking them uh, with his blaster. Zola is in the front of the train barking commands. Um, He's the boss of the situation here. Another trooper enters and blows a hole into the side of the train. And then um, that gets Bucky like on his back foot and he has he's hanging out of it. And then um, Steve can't get to him and Bucky falls off. Now, the main spoiler discussion, I mean, slash you'd probably know if you seen any of the advertisements on disney plus this is where you're watching them like me uh bucky does survive this and go on a very dramatic storyline uh post this movie but we won't talk too much about that right now um we learned a lot we did discuss that a whole series discussing bucky but it is a very very cool to see um you know see firsthand again um post watching falcon and the winter soldier um beginning a bucky story and it's very sad um and it's a fast moment and i wish maybe they captured a little bit more of a weight on steve um and see like me like i feel like they could have captured a tiny bit better but I, it's still good i still like it a lot um now we all um jones uh this is the guy in cap's crew he gets zola um phillips brings zola a steak captain phillips to kind of like work with him talk with him whatever and he's zola's just a vegetarian right so um phillips pretty much like does this like tactic where he says that like oh yeah we pretty much convinced we sent up uh facts out that said you you are you're working with us now so red skull is going to pick that up and no matter what they're going to kill you so you might like and it kind of works so zola admits to uh phillips that um red skull's target is world domination he's going to blow up every city everything beneath a huge airplane um red skull stands in front of a, a giant army he says tomorrow their enemies weapons will be useless against them and cut off one head and blah 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 more another one will be born you know what i mean all that all that nonsense all that hydra nonsense carter returns to the pub and finds steve drinking there she tells her that erskine told him he couldn't get drunk <laughs> steve tells her that right uh because his metabolism is just super fast so he can drink and drink and drink alcohol and it doesn't change him uh steve says he won't stop until johann schmidt is dead or captured um johann schmidt thinks he's a god and he's willing to uh willing to blow up half of the world to prove it starting with the usa um stark says he's working with incredible power and if he gets uh, across the atlantic he could wipe out the entire eastern seaboard within an hour so they have under 24 hours to do this to capture red skull and like stop him from following through with his plan so cap suggests going right to their base in the alps to stop them and they think that's crazy for a second but that's exactly what he does um next thing we know we see cap riding on his motorcycle and um he's getting followed by a crew of hydra on their bikes he has a rope on his bike like that go out the end of each side of his bike and he sets uh like he trips them he sets two more on fire uh with flames that trail out the end of his bike uh he like he pulls up beside one guy pulls the pin out of the grenade that's on his side and then it like pulls ahead of them and explodes two more 
he um, is driving up to the facility and there's a tank guarding the facility and he fires missiles out of the bike um, and it destroys the tank <laughs> and he ride, jumps over it and then um, he jumps off on the motorcycle and like drives it into the building hurting even more people once he gets off he kicks one trooper in the chest throws a shield at another he fights so respectfully until he's fully surrounded um, Red Skull tells Camp that he is arrogant that he has limits uh, he says did Erskine tell you otherwise uh, he says he told me you were insane uh, what made you so special nothing I'm just a kid from Brooklyn Cap says uh, he gets punched to the ground you know that's what I love about Cap that's the truth he's genuine he's just a kid from Brooklyn I love it uh, Cap says I can do this all day yeah Cap's team arrives and comes in firing. Red Skull flees. Cap gets tossed his shield, yes, and takes off after Red Skull um, on a huge, uh, as a huge army ascends upon the base. Flames engulf the entrance. Now, uh, caught off one more, uh, has two more shell, and then uh, is, is, is being yelled, and then Phillips shoots the trooper, and he's like, let's go find two more. <laughs> Uh, Tommy Lee Jones, Usain. Peggy saves Steve from a flame trooper. Uh, he tells her she's late. Uh, they almost have a moment, but then she reminds him he has to go for a moment. I'm like, this is sad. This is her last moment. And I, uh, I'm, I'm wrong about that. Um, I'm like, this is the last time they'll see each other. <laughs> I forget. Uh, there's another moment. Red Skull gets in a giant plane and, pulled, and puts the Tesseract uh, in its place near the cockpit. Cap gets in the hangar as the plane starts leaving and jumps over a huge battle that's happening in it uh, in an attempt to catch it. Uh, he dodge, dodges and dives. I mean, not really attacks. It's just like a bunch of people fighting. It's insane. Uh, Phillips and Peggy arrive in, uh, in a car to help catch the plane. Uh, okay, so that wasn't the last time Peggy didn't see, see each other. So she kisses him and she says, go get him. So he makes his way, jumps onto the plane, uh, just in time for the car not to fall off the cliff. That would have been dramatic. Uh, would Steve have even noticed? Uh, he makes it through the uh, wheel of the plane. And there are bombs on it. Once he gets in, he sees they're labeled Chicago and New York. Um, there's even more on there that we don't see. He fights off the troopers that are right there waiting for him as he releases the bombs um, that we see into the sea. Cap falls onto a smaller uh, single plane after one guy gets shredded by a, uh, by that like propeller. Uh, very gory for uh, for this <laughs> movie. I didn't expect so much uh, like a gory thing. He just got shredded, bloody shredded by the plane. Um, Steve gets into the cockpit and starts to make his way back towards the main plane. Red Skull fires blast at him. He crashes into the plane's uh, like back area. Okay, he enters the main room with the tesseract, and then Red Skull goes, "You don't give up, do you?" And Steve says, "No." Pretty um, pretty decent dialogue. <laughs> Simple, but there's a lot of dramatic uh, presence in this in this dialogue. <laughs> Um, Red Skull fires a blaster behind him. Steve runs towards him, and they get in a hand-to-hand -hand fist fight. They have a really good brawl. They're both super soldiers in a way, so um, it's a tough fight. Rogers gets Red Skull in a chokehold at one point. Uh, looks like he's really, really gets him, but um, Red Skull gets on his back, get, gets gets out of it, and gets Steve on his back foot. They trade 
a ton of punches. Red Skull gets slammed into the controls, and uh, they f- like it sends the, the plane going into a free fall. So they are fighting like in mid air at some points, which is uh, was awesome to see. Uh, and then at one point, Steve knocks the Tesseract out of its case, and this freaks out Red Skull. He goes right in uh, for it to pick it up. Uh, the power of it seemed exciting to him at first, like the power of a god. He's uh, he's enthralled by that type of stuff. But it was almost as if it were judging him. Like it had a mind of its own. And I always thought this, um, that a power goes up his arm and a portal launches him into space and he flies into it and then it closes. Um, in theaters, I thought this. I'm like, he went somewhere. And even some of my friends were like, I don't know, man, he just died. And I'm like, no, dude, he touched that thing and it took him somewhere. And that's the Space Stone, dude. Uh, that's the thing he used to transport. Awesome. Uh, Cap is left alone in the plane. The Tesseract falls through the floor and out of the plane. Peggy gets in touch with Steve to try and find him a safe landing site. He tells her that that's not possible because it's moving too fast and he's heading to New York. And she says there must be a way to work it out. Steve says it's his choice. And if he doesn't, a lot of people will die. He takes Peggy's photo out and uh, like puts it in front of him. So <laughs> this, is, this is hard. Uh, Peggy, I'm going to need a rain check on that dance. Uh, all right. Next week, Saturday, 8, on the dot. Don't be late. He gets cut off talking to her, and it's just hard to see. He's just saying, like, I don't want to step on your feet. And he gets cut off. Yeah, this is a hard ending. This is not like your typical fairy tale um, superhero ending. Um, And the music is touching, and this movie hits hard. Cap actually takes a hit as a hero for the world. Uh, He doesn't get to live it out, like his life out with Peggy. For now. (laughs) For now. Uh, we see uh, people celebrating the end of the war. Cap's crew is cheering for, uh, like, celebrating for Cap. Um, Howard finds the Tesseract at sea, and um, he, I think he's still looking for Cap. Uh, he can't, can't find him. Peggy looks over Steve's file, and it's his old photo. Just a skinny kid from Brooklyn. <laughs> We see a group of kids playing with Cap's shield as a garbage can. Uh, Steve wakes up in a hospital bed. A baseball game is playing on the radio. He's surprised by this. A woman enters, and Steve asks where he really is. Um, And the lady is playing oblivious until he says the game is from May 1941. It's because he was there. He breaks down a wall and uh, knocks down agents. He runs out of a modern building into Times Square. Nick Fury approaches. We thought it'd be best to break it to you slowly. Break what? You've been asleep, Cap, for almost 70 years. You're going to be okay? And he said, yeah, I just had a date. Um, and that's the movie. Um, that's, that's Captain America. Um, wow. Uh, now we, we, we've gotten like the three main heroes. Um, like I want to, I want to talk, reflect on this movie a little bit more now though, a tiny bit like Captain America, again, Iron Man and Thor. Let's see. Thor doesn't get to stay with Jane. Um, 
Would you say Thor gets to keep more at the end than than uh, Cap? Thor is still gets to keep Asgard and a hope to see Jane again. Um, I mean, Cap can't. Cap doesn't have much of a hope to see Peggy again, at least in that state. You know, there's not much of a hope for time travel, right? It's pretty much undoubtedly in his mind not going to happen. He's stuck in the future. Um, so Iron Man's story pretty much ended on a happy ending uh, from where we left him. I mean, he went through some tough shit, but like he's okay. But Captain America, um, he's been through the trials and tribulations here, and uh, he took a hard hit at the end. And yet, he's going to be one of the most positive-spirited members of the Avengers, which we're going into next week. Um, I Dang. Uh, Captain America, the first Avenger, one of the most underrated films in the MCU, and a great start to Cap's story. Completely different style of movie than we have um, in most of the movies in the MCU. A different time period, and it's totally MCU all the way. And it's... If you... If you're thinking of rewatching it, even after re watching, uh, watching the listen to this, I'd, I'd I'd just throw it on, throw it on. You'll, you'll like it. It's uh, it's a good it's a good rewatch. It's a good rewatch. I loved watching it again. Um, and with that being said, uh, we are we are really rolling through these weeks, and all of a sudden we are just like not even but a week and a half away from Loki. Yeah, so next Friday, the 4th, we are going to be posting our Avengers rewatch episode, um, which will be a blast to cover as well. Um, and I, I feel like many of you may notice, you avid listeners, you wonderful Marvel maniacs, that these episodes have been going on a little bit later than some of the after shows um, for, you know, uh, WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier. And for that, um, I just want to say that these movie episodes take a little bit longer for me to do. And I figured... Um, um, I want them to be better. So um, since there are movies that have come out already, I put th I put them out on the same day, um, just a little bit later. And um, but for the Loki reviews, they're going to be out um, as quickly and as promptly as the other review episodes. Um, so for Wednesday the ninth, um, it like after midnight, I'm going to be posting those episodes um, as soon as I watch and review them. And I'm so excited for Loki on June 9th, Wednesday. Don't be... Uh, set your calendars, folks. Uh, we're about to go full Marvel Maniac on this. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you here today. Uh, I have had a great time watching uh, Captain America. We've been through Iron Man, uh, Thor, and Cap. Next week, they're going to unite, and they're going to bring a couple of other players into the mix. Um, Nick Fury, he's been gathering some... Um, superheroes and it's time to bring them together to fight a greater enemy and uh, we need to see this see like all this come to play after watching them all together uh, all separately bring them together um, it's going to be really fun uh, next week I'm pumped to watch the Avengers and talk about it on here we have earned this like four movies four weeks in a row um, I've never felt more ready to go into Loki I'm pumped to see what 
they do with Loki um, because I, I'm, I'm trying not to watch too many of the trailers so I can have as fresh of eyes on it as possible. All I know is Owen Wilson's in it and I know there's a lot of time jumping, time travel, time scenarios and I know Tom Hiddleston's great and I know the MCU isn't going to mess up one of their flagship characters. Guys, we are in a golden age of Marvel uh, and I couldn't be happier, uh, uh, happier than happy than to share it with Marvel maniacs like yourself. If you enjoy the show, it'd be wonderful if you can go ahead and rate it and review it. It goes the longest way possible and helps us get our name out there. If you'd like to donate to the show right now, the best place will be Mr. Honest Podcast at gmail.com on PayPal or at Mr. Honest Podcast. It goes right back into the show. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Email us, marvelmaniacpod at gmail.com. Tweet us at marvelmaniacpod. I can't wait to see you next week. You have a wonderful week, a great day. Thanks for coming. And until then, Avengers, disassemble.